Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. So we need to do some trials and triumphs this week, ladies. But before we do that, actually, I want to do one little housekeeping thing. What? Housekeeping. Is it an um, intervention? No, Are we keeping just Karen off. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all already know what this is. Sorry. You just don't know I'm about to talk about it. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. No, I just wanted to mention that... In a couple of weeks, we are going to have our what we're calling Nashville Week, and it's to celebrate the opening of our new store. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just want everyone to get excited about it because um, we're opening a new store in Nashville, obviously, and we can't do our normal uh, store opening shenanigans, you know, parties and VIP and all that stuff. So instead, we're celebrating here on the podcast by interviewing a new uh, interior designer mm-hmm. from Nashville. Every or single architect. day. Or architect, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So get excited. Mark your calendars. Don't yes. be surprised when an extra four episodes the week, the first week of November pop up. Boom, um, boom, boom. Yes. Y'all are welcome. So. And better than the party. <laughs> and if you don't live in driving distance of Nashville, everybody's getting to celebrate. No matter exactly. where you live. True, true. Good That's point. True. Um, I do miss and the party, though. That's always fun to oh, have I an opening party for our stores. I you know, miss- to meet all the meet all the local people mm-hmm. and all the employees and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So and all the bubbles to drink. That's true. <laughs> but I I don't know about y'all. I thought that the like um, what is the word I'm thinking of the uh, like stable of people that we had. I can't was, believe I so how impressed. much talent is in Nashville. It's crazy, and we barely mm-hmm. scratched the surface. Um, I mean, we got some superstars, but. I, I mean, Nashville is a hotbed of interior design creativity. Yeah. That's cool. And they all just had such unique styles. And um, I think you're all going to really enjoy it. So uh, don't be surprised when on a Monday you get a little notification from your podcast app. But you have to go subscribe to the podcast if you want to get notified. So go do that. Okay. So now we can do our trials and triumphs. Okay. Should that be our triumph? You guys, I have, be our to, triumph. I have to sure. go first. Can oh, I go first? Go. You're not going to believe it. My next door neighbor sold his house. <gasps> I know. Did? Did so you know any it was for you, sale? No. So any of you who, who have not been following along with the drama or if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I have a neighbor who's lived next door to me for, you know, I'd say close to 15 years and has not done a single thing to upkeep his home or property since we moved in, except mow the yard. So he will mow the yard, but that's it. We've had like five dead trees fall. One fell on our house. One fell on our pergola. One fell on the street. You know, you get the idea. No (laughs) gutters. The house, there was a raccoon living in the roof that we took pictures of and sent him. Uh, No gutters on the house at all. Like the wood's all rotting. The entire side of the house is covered in ivy every window. You can't see windows or house. It's just Ivy. Any hoozles. So, (laughs) yeah. So one morning I'm drinking my coffee. It's like 7 a.m. and I'm looking out the window and my neighbor, let's just call him Jim, loading all this stuff into the back of his pickup truck. Now, y'all, I like Jim. He's a nice guy. It's just like, you know, the house is falling apart. So, so he's loading all this just it's as if you just grabbed a bunch of crap from your closet and threw it into the back of your pickup truck. That was how he was moving. So including his like Herbie Kirby, he had like that, you know, his rolling trash can from the house in the back of the truck. I'm like, you get a new one ever, you know, like it comes from the city. You don't have to take it with anyway. And it has your address on the side of it, but whatever. So I'm like, all right, something's up. Something's up with Jim. And so I went on Zillow. He's taking and his trash can. Yeah, he took his trash can. Um, oh, I found out he sold it in August, January. Yeah, <gasps> end of August. So now we're, of course, obsessed with what's 
going to happen next door because you know at least jim's yeah. the devil you know do you I know guess, who like, bought the it? watershed guy well yeah we, we discovered this today because today the watershed mm. guy was over in the yard with um someone i i think maybe it was kind of anyway the plans were in the bed of the truck so joe like just took a picture of the plans and the permit yeah um, while they were wandering around because they're not in the permit box and they're supposed to be in the permit box of the street all that's in there right now is the demolition plan um so, oh, wait, do you have to present the permit to your neighbors? Is that the point of that? Yes. It oh. has to be on view, yeah, um, so that your people, anyone at any time can see if you're, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and if it. you are permitted to be doing what you're doing, like taking down trees and that kind of stuff. So all of that's listed in there. And um, so anyway, it's hard to tell if it's going to be like a really big monstrosity. Looks like they're going to kind of keep the same footprint, but just do two stories and do some kind of, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, well, hopefully you're cool. Maybe yeah. you'll get a new best friend. Maybe that would be fun. I'll go. You go, Taryn. Um, my um exciting thing for me is we purchased a storage unit and we've started moving stuff over, which Whoa. is super exciting. Um, as my permits move along, um, but we don't have the sign you know, the plans in the yard. So we're not there yet, Karen, but we're um, working on it. We're inching closer. So we're doing, we just went ahead and like gave ourselves a head, you know, mm-hmm. head start. And so that was the exciting one I had. And then my, um, do you think you'll do movers or are you moving it all yourself? Oh, we'll do movers, but there's just so much. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that we don't need for a year. Like I don't, I'm not going to take my table saw to a um, rental. <laughs> What? I know I could. What about I the could furniture in your basement? That kind of stuff that I currently don't have space for. I'm not going to have space in a rental home more than likely. So that furniture is now sitting in a storage unit. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a lot of that kind of stuff that David mm-hmm. can do just on the fly now to not sure. get ahead. Your spring wardrobe. Oh my God. I'm too scared to have him do that. What will he do? I'm scared. Will it sit fine in a storage unit for a year? I don't know. Do I need it? I don't know. Maybe COVID is going to end so quickly out of a magic and then I'll have places to go. Well, a lot of the storage units are climate controlled. That's something you need to know if it's climate controlled or not, because that might make some decisions about what you put in it and what you don't. Truth. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was it. And then my negative is I think my house heard me. Because Uh-oh. now my kitchen faucet is going. Like, definitely have to try like three times to like push the handle down to get it to not to like drip at all. Um, and I really don't want to fix that. So I needed to hang on. Um, <laughs> no, that was nine nine years ago that I got it. So will well, people fix it? Look, because I have a Delta. Oh, right. And it has a lifetime warranty. Ah. No, mine is not a Delta. <laughs> well, I mean, right. looking into. No, thank you. Um, that is a good idea. I will do that. That was my, those were mine. That was it. I was excited. So it's very exciting. Um, mine is not super, well, I was excited about it, but it was not, it's not anything wild, but we got our Trees Atlanta plants. Oh, um, if y'all remember, I talked about how we ordered a bunch of stuff from Trees Atlanta and we picked it all up last week and it was a crazy amount of stuff, but we planted it all. We did, um, we did all of it in basically like a day and a half. Wow. I have never, ever been so sore. I didn't know <laughs> it was possible. For my hands, my actual hands to just be hurt. sore. Mm. Like my hands mm-hmm. were cramping. I mm. I like could barely type on Monday. On Monday, I was like, <laughs> I am dead. I cannot. Anyways, um, so we're doing a lot of watering around the house right now. So far, so good. Um, the one bad thing, or not bad, but we weren't exactly sure what we were getting, like what we were or we ordered, you know, the plant species. But weren't quite sure how large, you know, like what gallon is the tree, you know, like, is it a mm-hmm, five gallon mm-hmm. tree or is it like a half gallon tree or whatever? Right. Um, so some of the trees were actually pretty big. <laughs> Three of the trees will dug a hole the day before we picked them up. He big, dug like huge holes for the trees, 
then went and got the plants and they were like teeny tiny little <laughs> saplings. So, um, you know, when Claire's in high school, this will all look great. Um, but other than that, everything's, everything's been good so far. So, so far, so good. There are a few things that I um, have never grown before. And so I hope they do well, but I will keep you all updated. And now, oh, and one more thing I got. Um, so, yes, so good news, planted all the plants, bad news. My body took a beating, but it's fine now. Yeah. I'm all healed. But I did just yesterday receive my first rose from Antique Rose Emporium, my very favorite place for our new house. I'm excited. So I'm going to plant that this weekend. <laughs> I love the name of it still. <laughs> Antique Rose so, Emporium. So, mm-hmm. The Emporium. My rose they should sponsor this podcast, gone. truly. Yeah, they should. My roses are really happy. Um, I just need to kind of educate myself on, um, you know, kind of pruning and whatnot of them. Do I just let them go crazy? Do I have to do anything? Um, I mean, you can. It depends but on it's the, not the necessary. Mm-hmm. You'll probably get a better result if you prune them. But a lot of the time, especially the depending like Antique Rose Emporium, for example, all of those roses are antique roses. So that means that for the most part, they've uh, been like, they were totally wild roses. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the wild, so like it's not going to be pruned. Mm-hmm. I think I you it. said you got yours from David Austin. So they I might did. be a little different. I did. That's like a well-known, I believe English um, rose brand. Anyways, so you might just want to check. The, your I got a variety. great little arbor off of Etsy and I put it on the side of my house. So I'm actually going to go out there after this and um, uh, attach the, the one on the side of my house to my arbor. The other one I have tra- trellising up my backyard fence. I'll be honest. I might seem like an expert because I love them, but I really kind of wing it in terms of pruning. Like I'm not super mm-hmm. particular about it. Maybe I'm I just kind of go out there whenever I can. Podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would do some research, but okay. I really, I would sort of deadhead mine after they, the rose would bloom and then the bloom would die and I would just go out there and kind of clip it back. But sure. I bet you could find some better resources than just my, yeah. whatever I did. You don't know anything. So Got it. anyways, I, I probably should read up on it too. True. I don't. I don't. I'm telling you that. But uh, depending, but that is why I get the antique roses because you don't have to do anything. Doing something will help, but they really don't need you. Not required. Got it. All right. Okay, so we are so excited to speak with our guest today. Her name is Sarah Barney. Her firm is Austin-based Band Design, and their work has been featured in House Beautiful, El Decor, Domino Magazine, Lonnie Magazine, Dwell, and more. And we are so thrilled to have you. Sarah's the founder and principal designer there, and she's an Austin native. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I really enjoyed looking through your portfolio and there were so many like fun and exciting details, but I also just, it felt very Texas to me and I don't know why that was, Um, but there was lots of, you know, very sort of rustic details, but, you know, not rustic in necessarily the Magnolia way, but, you know, stones and um, sort of rough hewn woods, but it also felt super modern and contemporary. And so I was wondering if there was anything, you know, you're an Austin native and um, what is, what do you think is like Austin design? What's happening in the Austin design world right now? Oh gosh, man, we're all (laughs) over the place. We're kind of a hot mess. No, Austin is kind of a funny place because we are a rapidly growing city, as most people know, and um, we get a lot of transplants from California and Chicago and New York and people thinking it's cheaper to live here. Um, and so, and wanting, you know, just a little bit more life balance. So I would say it kind of is what you hit on. And it's funny for you to say it's like a Texas design. I kind of like that. I've never heard that before. But it is, um, we do, there is a lot of rustic elements tied to modern and contemporary looks because people want that sort of down home feel, but they don't want it to feel ranchy or country or 
really mm-hmm. cliche in like a very Texas way, which is very much the way the de- designs were back in the 90s in Texas. So people are definitely skewed away from that, thankfully, because that was <laughs> for design. <laughs> Well, okay, that you bring you bring up California and you lived in California for many years. So I'm wondering if you um, brought a little bit of that Southern California vibe back to Texas. I definitely think I did. I mean, I'm a I'm not a formal person and I don't design formally. I'm a very casual person and I think that comes a lot from both my personality, but then also California design as a whole is fairly casual and relaxed and I like that. So um it very much, it very much plays into some of my design. And I, and I, if people ask me to pick a design style that I like a lot, definitely. I love that California coastal, not beachy, but kind of casual with a lot of natural elements to it, but, um, feels very like surfy and comfortable and just like you could just chill and not have to worry about anything. Mm Mm-hmm. I just love how varied your background is. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Because yeah. I think it makes you very unique and um, and probably has affected how you, you know, your style. Um, yeah. So like you guys said, I'm an Austin native. So I knew that I wanted to, uh, I always knew I wanted to move to California and work in the entertainment industry. And so as soon as I graduated from college, I left town and um, moved to L.A., and worked in entertainment for um, almost seven years there. Uh, that's where I met my now husband, and he's from he's an East Coast native. And in 2009, we decided we were going to move back to Austin. He's an only child, and so my whole family's here. He kind of wanted to be near family. We wanted, again, that work-life balance. So we came back, and I stayed in the entertainment industry for an additional seven years, um, working on the sales side of things. And then I don't know, 2016 happened. I had two girls and I was like, I got to do something that they'll be proud of. I'm a, I've always been sort of an entrepreneurial person. So um, I just had a light bulb moment. I woke up one day and I was like, interior design. And it was something I I didn't realize I had always, I had already done, had always done for my friends and for my family. And I've been doing it for years. I never put connected those dots that that was happening. And I honestly never thought it could be a job. Like I, to me, it was like designing women. It was like, oh, it's got to be really formal and you've got to have big hair and pearls and all the things and, you know, sit on these big expensive <laughs> sofas, but really it doesn't have to be that way. And so I was very intimidated by that. So um, I was like, you know what? I found a program online where I could go back to school for a year. And um, I thought, okay, I'll try it out and I'll do it on the weekends and in the evenings between my, my day job. And if it works out, great. If it doesn't, no love lost. And um, before I had even finished school, I already had three projects under my belt. And then as soon as I finished, I started working on the business, launched the business uh, in May, 2017. So that was three years ago now, a little over three years ago. And then, um, it exploded so quickly that I had to quit my full-time job a month later and brought on my first employee two months after that. And now we're a team of seven and we're about to start project 100. So it's, it's been a snowball and I'm overwhelmed and I'm exhausted, but I'm so happy. And I always say that like, this is what I should have been doing all along, but I couldn't have taken another path to get here. It definitely influences my design. It definitely influences how I do business, but I think for the better, not for the detriment of. So um, it's been a key stepping stone in my career, I think. That's a pretty amazing story. Like how quickly your business blew up. That's that's really it's, awesome. You know, it's one of those things and every person I've hired so far, I say like, Yes, you have all the skills we need, or maybe you don't. You need to learn some of these skills, but design is subjective, and you either have an eye for it or you don't. And of course, everybody's tastes are different. What everybody's attracted to is different, but the way you put it together, you either can do it or you can't. It's not a skill that you can really learn. And so um, that's really what I'm looking for when I hire people. And I feel like if you have that, then it comes together a little bit naturally if you have some of that business background too. At least I think it does. And for me, it's funny because I still to this day, people call and I'm like, are they sure they need help? Isn't this easy for them? But then I forget if it were easy for everyone, then I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> and you know, doing my taxes isn't easy for me, but it's easy for a CPA. So, you know, it's, we all have our skill sets. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, Miles Red told us you should be doing what's easy. 
we should all be doing what's easy in our lives. So mm-hmm. you're smart. You did it the right way. Amen. <laughs> then Amen. What about parenting? How does that work? Oh. <laughs> That's a mistake all around. <laughs> 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 passed down for generations <laughs> you have such a diverse portfolio too i feel like um with the different because you do offices as well as um so you do a little commercial and residential is that true or did i well it is i mean we definitely specialize in residential and actually one we just hired two new people and one of my new employees asked me yesterday he's like so what's the deal with commercial? Are we doing that or what? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it comes along and it's the right project and it's cool, I'm happy to do it. But some of the commercial work we've done in the past just isn't, the soul isn't in it for me. And, you know, it's yeah. just, it just seems to be a little bit stifled creativity with it. Maybe that's just me putting that on myself, but, um, or maybe they just haven't been the right fits for us. So we're definitely open to it, but I love working on residential spaces and working with families and creating homes and memories and places they can enjoy for a long time. Okay. I noticed something that you are in love with. (laughs) Floating shelves. <laughs> I'm so tired of floating shelves. You? Oh. <laughs> I've done so many of them. <laughs> I have done so many of but them. But it is, I mean, and you've got them in lots of different spaces. Like in your office, you have them over your like fridge area as little storage, kitchen storage. You've got them in kitchens. You've got them next to mantles, um, you know, in, in lieu of, I'd say, a built-in or something like that, sort of a modern take on a built-in. So you're now you're sick of them? Are you saying, like, don't yeah, do no. it? I mean, I'm not really, because we still do them. I mean, goodness, I was talking to a client today about them. But I, the thing about it is, is I, I am pretty minimal in my design. I don't, I'm not a minimalist by no means, but I definitely don't like stuff for the sake of stuff. So I don't like to overdo or overdesign anything. So I think that's probably why we do a lot of floating shelves. They're just simple. Mm-hmm. They're clean. They're easy. You can focus on what's on them versus them themselves. Um, and sometimes, tr- like truly, it just comes down to budget. They can't afford like a full bookcase. So it's like, let's pop some shelves in there. It looks just as finished and pretty. And the way we style it will really help it. So it just depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. But I don't mind them, but you know. But you're right. I mean, then you're not so focused on the shelf itself. Although some of them we did paint, which was kind of fun, you know, an accent color. So it's a white wall with an accent color shelf, which is kind of fun. I I liked, I thought it was a nice alternative to a more traditional built-in, you know. Thank you. (laughs) Well, how, okay, do you have any tips for styling shelves? Because I do think that's probably the hardest part about a shelf, an, an open shelf like that. You have to have it styled all the time. You can't close the door and... Yeah. And I definitely, you know, I'm not one of these big fans of open shelves on in kitchens because nobody has pretty dishes most of the time or they don't want to keep that stuff off, you know, and making it look nice all the time. So I definitely recommend it more for a space that's more of a visual spot and less of a day to day. I need to use this every day sort of thing. Um, But for Stanley Shelf, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of things in threes. And I know that that's sort of a design principle, but um, I love things in odd numbers. I love things that are stacked and even like unexpected stuff. A lot of the times when we're styling shelf, I ask clients to bring out random trinkets or old souvenirs that they got on um, a trip that they might think just need to go in a closet or hide away. And we kind of play with that, plus throw in books and um, other smaller elements. And honestly, when we're styling too, we leave a lot of empty space for the clients to fill um, with their own personal artifacts and memories over time. Mm Because I can finish a space for photography, no problem. But at the end of the day, I want them to be able to fill it up too with some of their stuff over time and not just be done as soon as we walk out the door. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's really nice too for them. Well, yeah. Sort of um, going off what you said about minimal, you know, kind of liking things to be a little bit more minimalistic, even if you're not a minimalist. Um, I did notice that you use a lot of solids in your um, spaces. And in fact, like, most of the time, the um, the pattern really was sort of in maybe a wallpaper here and there or on a rug. But other than that, a lot of the elements were um, were solid with just maybe a sculptural shape or something. And I think that it could be kind of hard, especially for someone that's doing it on their own and not, you know, not a designer, to create a space using primarily solids, but still have 
still it be interesting? So I was curious if you could kind of walk us through that and and how we can do it well. I think a lot of it is kind of going back to what you guys said. It's it's tying in a lot of um, texture and layers and playing with a lot of different elements and knowing they can all go together. And we actually, we play a lot with pattern when it comes to smaller pieces or like you said, wallpaper, we're sort of, I mean, like we have, most of our houses are averaging like four to six wallpapers in them because we use so much wallpaper. We just love it so much right now. Um, But that being said, people are scared a lot of times of investing in a big piece of furniture that's patterned unless it's something they've had their eye on or like it's something that like I am mm-hmm. dead set we have to have this and I've sold them on that idea. So a lot of times we're working with people who've worked with a designer for the first time. We definitely don't want to scare them by any means. So we're starting out, okay, you want this piece, you're investing in your home for the first time. Let's really invest in something solid that's um, that is a uh, that is a solid pattern and you can play with pillows and accessories and everything else and all the other textures in the room and change that over time in case you get bored of it or you you know, truly you don't like it in five years if you're like me and you just want to change everything every other day. So <laughs> it's like we we do a lot of that. And I think, yes, they're trusting of us, but sometimes it's like, okay, it's a little hard to push them on the bigger investment pieces to not go mm-hmm. um, outside their just comfort zone. We do push them a lot with color um, more so than, than maybe pattern, but because um, they'll come to us like, well, we have a gray sofa and a brown chair. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. Why don't I do a blue sofa? <laughs> and a green chair, you know? And so we, we push them in that regard. And we always mm-hmm. tell clients, we're going to push you outside your comfort zone. It won't be far outside your comfort zone, but we will be pushing you and making you make decisions that maybe you hadn't thought of before, mm-hmm. but I promise you don't like it. And it's just the overall design. Yeah. Right. Cause if they didn't, they'd already thought of it. Why would they need you? Right. I mean, come on. And they have to trust you with that. If it were easy, I wouldn't have a job. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> People are always asking us uh, great places to get wallpaper. Do you have any sources you could share with the listeners? Gosh, everywhere. I mean, I just love, I, you know, I really truly gotten it like in the weirdest places. Um, we have one in our office right now that is like such a goofy, it's like people taking selfies with selfie sticks. And um, <laughs> I got it on this company called Society Sticks. And I think they just do like, people can submit their artwork and make their own wallpaper. I think it's like one of those crowdsourcing places, you know, but it's like the funniest wallpaper. And then like, uh, we do a lot from like Cuba and West. It has really fun wallpaper. Um, I really kind of get it all over the place. I even like Etsy has, I love looking for people I haven't heard of, or like even people who are just like artists in their bedroom creating wallpaper. It's like, I like to find that funky stuff. And, um, and really like just pick something wild and weird. I don't know. I'm much more, um, I'm much more, uh, what's the word? I'm like totally brain dead, brain dead. It's like, I'm much more willing to take risks on wallpaper, both for myself and for my clients. than I am maybe with other things, which is kind of funny because it's a more permanent thing than like a throw pillow. <laughs> but, right. um, but I do like to get really funny and silly and whimsical with wallpaper. I don't really take it that seriously. And I do want like there will be classic styles for sure that we use, but very rarely are we using like a solid grass cloth or um, a really like basic stripe. I figure if you're going to do it, let's do it. Like mm-hmm. don't let's tiptoe around it, you know? What's that yeah. line between like funny and witty and whimsy and kitschy? You know, where? Do, how do we know where to stop there? Yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I would say it's, well, one thing is to kind of make sure it hasn't been done too much. And I think, you know, for myself, I'm okay to go a little bit like campy weird with my wallpaper. But I think if it's something that's almost like cartoonish, that's where it kind of starts to be like, eh, you know, I had a client the other day be like, what do you think of this wallpaper? And it's just, it was not a great wallpaper of like some drawings of dogs for her kid's bathroom. And I just thought, mm. I don't think you're going to like that too by tomorrow. Too cutesy know? maybe, huh? Yeah, a little too cutesy, a little too like, like trying too hard. Um, But if it's subtle, but still has like a big impact, I think that that's good. Um, And like I said, if it feels like it's too cartoony, like I don't mind doing this selfie stick wallpaper in our office because nobody's, you know, we have one called conspiracy parrots that line um, a wall in a 
<laughs> behind the cabinet. And it's I'm Googling that right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, parrots say conspiracy theories, and it's the funniest wallpaper you've ever seen. But it's like, I would never put that on a bedroom wall or anything. You know, like I have it on the inside <laughs> of the cabinet. <laughs> so I think it depends on the application too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, now I need to see this pattern too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's real funny. It's like, it's a parrot saying like, Britney Spears died in 2000. You know, it's like goofy things that, that you heard in the hysterical. news. Like, so funny. It's the funniest paper. So yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They have like little cartoon bubbles. Yeah. Where they're <laughs> <saying this stuff. laughs> so that was definitely campy. But like I said, it's hiding behind a cabinet wall and it's like the fun surprise when you open it up. We live in I a simulation. <laughs> I like it. All right. So I had a question about kitchens because I noticed that you were doing a couple kitchens in your portfolio that were definitely not white or painted a color, uh, a couple blue, shiny blue kitchens. Can you touch on what you're seeing right now as far as kitchen colors and also finishes? Because I have a girlfriend who wants to paint her kitchen cabinets glossy, glossy white. And I'm like, I don't know. Are we going to like that? Talk it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know why I have a hard time with white kitchens and I have a white kitchen, but, um, even today I had a meeting with a client who wants a white kitchen. I was like, well, can we just do gray? Like, can we do like a light gray instead? Like, why does it have to be white? And I think maybe I'm a little bit leaning more towards like all white walls than I ever was before. And so white kitchens to me just feels like white overload. Um, <laughs> we do a lot of color, but we also do a lot of natural wood. And I'm really into that. And I really think that um, it can look really classic if it's if the tone is right and it's done well. Um, but I do think co- like color is a fun, like is a fun, a kitchen is a fun place to play with color. Um, in a way, like if you're going to paint your cabinets anyway, Mm-hmm. chances are you're going to want to paint them again in five to 10 years. Sure. So what's really, I hate it when people say, well, what if I don't like it in five years? Well, it's like, what if I don't like yeah, it? Yeah. You're going like, to need to redo it. You, have a, you know, you may have a few shirts from five years ago, but are all your shirts from five years ago? Right. And I know that's sort of like a blanket example, but, um, I, I just, I, I, I want to design for what we're feeling in that moment and what, what's speaking to the space and the client and just the overall design aesthetic versus, this is going to last you for a hundred years until you move out because it's not mm-hmm. realistic anymore. Um, I don't know if it ever really was. I think we just kind of forced the idea. And it does look that. like so, you in the, some of these kitchens you're, you're mixing. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like mixing like, you know, a dark lower and a lighter upper. Like I'm down with that too. You know, if people are a little averse to mm-hmm. the full shebang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the islands, a different color, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. like that because you had some that were sort of natural wood and then also shiny blue or blue and white or, yeah, sort of. Yeah, and we've seen a lot, a lot of blue kitchens. I mean, I know kind of all across the country, but like in Texas specifically in the last couple of years, everybody's like, what if we painted it blue? You know, like every everybody <laughs> I talk to. And I'm down for the most part if it's the right color blue or we feel like it really fits the space. Um, I definitely don't want to force something that, I think it's just, they're trying to follow a trend. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like blue is the color that's the most neutral. You know what I mean? It's everyone loves blue. Yeah. Navy. It's like your blue jeans. I mean, it's kind of a, a neutral if I don't, it's it's not, you know, talking with clients about color. It's so funny. Like somebody the other day was like, well, what if this goes out of, this gray goes out of style in a couple of years? I'm like this, it's a gray. Like it's not going to go, it's gray. Gray will always be a thing. It'll always be in style. And we say that Navy is a neutral. Like we use, we tell clients that all the time. We see it as a neutral. It can tie into a lot of different applications and we Mm -hmm. almost don't even see the color of it. You know, it's it's such a neutral for us at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So I noticed that in your portfolio, it seemed like a lot of the homes that you're working on are family homes. And I was curious when you're working with a client and you're, you know, trying to divide up their budget and figure out where to spend their money, where is the best place to invest your dollars if you have little kids running around causing chaos? 
Yeah, we work a lot with young families. I almost feel like that's become a little bit of our niche, uh, which is great. I don't mind doing it. I love working with young families. And like I said, it's people who are investing in their homes for the first time. Um, I, I always, always, always recommend investing in the primary bedroom um, and the bed that you're sleeping on, the bed frame, because those that's a piece you're going to use every single day. And then also your sofa and any elements you're going to be using every single day are worth the investment um, because they will hold up. And we have tricks and tips for treating those pieces so that they will last longer. We either we use a high performance fabric, which we almost always do on upholstery anyway. But if we, even if we are, or even if we're not, we work with a company, a local company that will come in and treat it um, with this, like, or I don't even know how to explain it, but like this organic spray that basically makes it water repellent, stain resistant, all of those things. Um, and so I don't want clients to be scared that they can't have something because the kid's going to destroy it. I have kids, they destroy things all the time. But at the same time, <laughs> I also have a light pink sofa that is a sunbrella fabric. It's still soft and I can take a baby wipe and wipe anything up off of it. And I promise there's chocolate smeared on it half the time that I'm just I haven't getting tried it. the baby wipe thing. That's a good idea. <gasps> baby wipes are it, magical. They are? Why do they get out all sorts of stains? I did not know that. It's, I don't know. It's bizarre, actually. Like, it kind of weirds me out. But, like, I'll even go a stain that's been there for, like, two weeks. I'm like, oh, I forgot to get that out. And I'll just sh- 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 with a baby wipe and it's gone. It's weird. And they're probably the coming little clothes, travel too. packs so you could travel with them. When we do eventually get to travel, I'm assuming, <laughs> that we can take them with us for travel yeah, stains. They, they put out stains on clothes. Oh, yeah. They're great. Yeah. They are. And I don't know what's in them to make them do that, but I'm here for it. Magic. <laughs> Same. And I will wipe my kid with it as yeah. well. I mean, mine are nine and seven. And I still we still get a delivery, Amazon delivery of them every month. You know, mm-hmm. we keep them house at all times ah, yeah very handy had no idea yeah. well you do have speaking of tips and tricks you have a great blog um yes and just so you guys know there's two the spelling of your of your company is has an extra d in the middle i had a <laughs> the band design <laughs> so there's three d's in the middle of this it's band with two d's and then design or two d's with a design yeah. Right. I think it's two D's with the band, (laughs) Um, but it's a great blog um, and it has all kinds of tips and tricks in there. Like Mm -hmm. there's lots of great articles about um, doing monochromatic rooms or mixing and matching patterns or all kinds of things like that. You've got really a great resource there. Y'all go check it out. I've been reading. Yeah, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed looking through it. Yeah. And great photographer. I wanted to know about this 3D house that you worked on. So just tell us about it because I don't even want to spoiler alert it because it was so cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, it's probably been three years ago now or no, two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago, maybe I got a call um, from my publicist at the time and she said, Hey, uh, they're building uh, a 3D printed house in Austin and it'll be ready in two weeks. They haven't started yet, but it'll be ready in two weeks. Do you want to work on it with them? And I was like, uh, this doesn't even sound like a real phone call. Like, what is this? (laughs) And she's like, I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds crazy, but they have the first ever permitted, like inhabitable 3D printed house in America. And uh, can you help? Like, can you help pick some finishes and stage it and all that? Because we're going to have all this press come through and we're we're really going to push it out. I was like, I just don't even understand any of this. So I went to go watch them do it. And basically, it's a technology that was created that it's a printer. I mean, obviously, very, very large printer, but it um, pushes out in a shape of a home concrete and it layers it and layers it and layers it layers it well the technology behind it is so that it's made for developing nations essentially so you can go and you can put together a house in i don't know 48 hours um with the technology and the way that it's set up and so you can go build an entire village in a couple of weeks and the houses themselves material wise, there's very little waste like there is in, in normal home building. But then there's also, um, they also can do it quickly and they can do it for like $10,000 a house. So it's made so that like, you know, people can't afford a home 
or people who, uh, like I said, live in these disadvantaged areas who can't have shelter, they can just go in and just pop up these villages. And that was the official launch of it that we were a part of. And that was really, really cool. We came back the next year and worked on the project again. They're actually about to start building a village here in Austin because um, they're an Austin-based company. And they they are now, they have a new printer out that came out about a year ago um, that they're now selling to different cities to be able to have their own villages. Um, but it's just kind of crazy and weird and wild, but it's really fun to watch. And even from the time that we first worked on it to now, the technology has improved so much. When they first came out with the technology, it was literally run by an Excel spreadsheet where a guy had to watch every single cell that it went through on Excel to make sure the coding was right. And if it was off, the whole thing would break down. So it, the first house actually took them quite a while while to build, probably like two weeks. Normally it would take like 24 hours. Now they have it where if you have this printer, you can do it all on your iPad. Nobody needs to be trained on it. I mean, it's like very, very simple wow. to do. Yeah. And the concrete is a special blend that's made to be extra strong or like, you know, it doesn't crumble or anything like that. It's, it's like a special blend of concrete. So it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Wow. So is that including like plumbing and all of that? So all of that is still what plumbing is, right? Like this is the structure of the home. You'll still have to put in a door and a window and the roof and all that. But the structure of the walls of the, uh, the house are done and, and the foundation too, obviously. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to watch. And, but like all, there's like no material waste with it. And it's done in, you know, two days. Um, and it is made to be an affordable housing option. But they've also developed some, um, some higher end models that are like 2,000 square feet and have two stories, you know, where it's like wood on top and concrete on the bottom. Or there's like different variations of it. It's pretty cool. It was very That's chic, really- I thought. You know, the look of it was yeah. in sort of the rounded corners. It was a really, really an interesting space. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was, a, and, and the whole house, I think, is only, it was crazy because it was two bedrooms, one bathroom, and a living room. And I think it was only like 400 square feet. So we obviously had space constraints when we were trying to stage it. It was like, how do you make it look like a bedroom? I mean, it technically can fit a twin size mattress, so it can be a bedroom. So just trying to like, finagle around those corner, those curved edges and kind of all the things there. But it was really fun and really cool and such a interesting experience. It lives in the backyard of somebody's house right now in Austin. Oh, neat. What are you seeing out there right now um, that everyone's wanting that you're, is gonna, you feel like it's going to become like the next thing and you're going to get sick of it besides uh, well, I can, <laughs> blue or floating I mean, shelves? Yeah, no, I'm not tired of blue or floating shelves, but um, I would say Actually, it's something I'm already a little bit tired of, but it's something that I was pushing for about three years ago was like matte black everything um, in our fixtures. And I was really into it, but I couldn't find any lines that carried it, um, especially like for plumbing. <laughs> it was so hard to find. And then I went to KBiz in January and all these brands were like, come look at our matte black faucets. It's the new thing. And I was like, oh, I'm already <laughs> over it. So now, but now, and I remember pushing clients like, let's do matte black. And they're like, matte black? Are you crazy? Let's do black. <laughs> and now everybody's like, can we do black? Can we do black? And I'm like, I guess. I'm kind of over it, but we can do it. Sure. <laughs> you know? So I definitely think that's one of them for sure. And I mean, I think a lot of people still ask me for quote unquote modern farmhouse. I still don't quite know what that means. I think because they say, oh, not not Magnolia, but not super modern. And I think really what people are trying to say is they're just transitional and they just don't know exactly where they fall, which is fine. They don't have to, but um, I definitely am not a big fan of, you know, directional art in a home telling me this is the bathroom. This is is where we gather. Directional (laughs) art. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like, um, you know, with everything going on and us all being stuck in our homes that you've actually changed a lot of how you've or had any changes in homes that you're designing now? Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say we weren't getting a lot of home office requests, um, <laughs> a ton of home office requests or 
can we redesign a room to become a home office? Um, so there is a lot of that for sure. And multiple needs for multiple workspaces in a home now versus just one workspace in a home. So that has happened quite a bit. And obviously with like homeschooling and whatever else is need, now needing to account for a place that kids can sit and quietly work. Whereas before it could be like, you can just throw them in the playroom or you know, they could go in their bedrooms, but now they need an actual desk and a place to sit. So there, there is a big piece of that for sure. And in Austin specifically, which I have found bananas, but I shouldn't really be surprised by so many, a lot of people were moving here prior to everything going on. But now it, I've had so many people reach out being saying, we are closing on a house. Uh, we're moving from wherever and we weren't going to move until our kids were older or we weren't going to move for a couple of years, but now we realize we can do our jobs from anywhere. So we're going to move now. And they've just sped up their timeline for their move to Austin. So there's been a lot of that as well. Um, but the real tricky thing has been trying to find space and homes for multiple workstations without it looking like an office building mm-hmm. or like, you know, desk explosion everywhere. So um, that's definitely happened a lot for sure. How do we make our home office not look like a so corporate? Well, I think, you know, from a, like, don't think that it has to be office furniture in it, right? Like the desk doesn't have to be a quote unquote desk. It could be a table or it could be um, even like a little vanity seat, depending on how much space you need. Um, and you don't have to have a desk chair. You can have a dining chair, you know, head chair type situation for the seat. So if you don't think about it like an office and think about it as a room in your home, I think that helps with not making it feel super office And also closed storage does wonders for getting rid of stuff. Um, and, you know, making sure you have plenty of storage to be able to hide your files or even tuck away monitors. I have several clients actually who work like in their kitchens and they're like, we have all these monitors on our kitchen table. And it's like, well, let's build a drawer so we can tuck those away when you have guests over or you're eating dinner yourself um, so that you're not just sitting there with your screen right next to you at all times. Yeah. Staring at work when you're not working is not good. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It needs to go yeah. away. Yeah. You need to be able to walk away from it or put it away. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, how do you, um, back to the multiple workspaces, like, are there any sort of solutions that you've used over and over again that, that work? Um, one that we've done quite a bit and actually we're doing right now is, um, doing kind of going back to that whole built-in idea, using a space where we do a wall of built-ins that has some closed storage, some open storage, but we've designed, um, a built-in where it has a, almost like a peninsula table off of it. Um, and we've done it two ways. We've done it where it stays attached to the bookcase and then we've done it where it can be removed from the bookcase and the bookcase can stand alone. And then that way you can sit two people at it because they can sit on either side of it. Um, or, and if they're little kids or something that, you know, you could probably squeeze more too, depending on the size of it. But that's been a, a really like pretty way to make it for both one person, two people, or if it later is no longer an office, we can just pop it off and it just is a library um, in the space. So that's been a fun way to really play with it. That's smart. Yeah, that is smart. But guys, there was something that I noticed, which what? is she loves a good deep teal, as you can oh, tell. Yeah. By <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, but you did this. It was probably more blue, but you did this one that I thought was so smart, which was a you, the built-ins were big and it was a media, but the TV just like disappeared because you did this darker blue. Mm-hmm. And so this, the big black box just kind of disappeared on the shelves. And I was like, that's what I need to do. <laughs> that way I can have, my TV will disappear. And I thought it was smart. That was oh, thank you. I mean, I'm also a big fan of the Samsung frame that turns to art after you turn it off. Cause I have one of those in my house. Cause the only place to have it is over the fireplace and, you know, I don't want the big black box over my white fireplace. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a big fan of trying to hide a TV if we can. Even does, that, does that art stay on all the time or is it motion sensor? So you walk in and it pops up. So it stays on all the time, like during the day, but, it, and it goes to like low power mode or whatever, but at night, like when everybody's asleep or whatever, it turns off and then it does do motion sensor in the morning whenever you wake up. Oh, okay. So, yeah. but don't you know that it's a television? Yeah, of course, you know, it's a television. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it's funny. Okay. I, it, I learned this recently. 
is that I notice things that people don't notice. So, and that may be true for you guys too. Like I had a client today, he was like, um, yeah, we don't need to pay for natural stone countertops. And I was like, sure we do. Like that, I, I can't stand fake stone. Let's do real stone. And he's like, I hate to break it to you, but most people don't know the, notice the difference between real stone and fake stone. You do because you're a designer, but most like Joe Schmo coming in to buy a house does not notice the difference. So I think with the, the TV, of course I notice, but I have so many friends that come in who are like, whoa, what is that? That's amazing. <laughs> that is that a TV? I don't know. Maybe they've had too many glasses of wine. I have no idea. But um, <laughs> really like people are always like, what? Like mind blown when I said, no, it's a TV. And look, you can change the art. I can put, I never put family art up there. It's always some random art, but like you could put your family portrait up here or whatever. You can change it anytime. So yeah, it's called TV. <laughs> but it was not, this it way, there, you know. <laughs> Kittens. <laughs> yeah, I do that actually. My kids would think that's hilarious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hang in there. Hang yeah. in there. <laughs> no. <laughs> we did not talk about that also deep teal kitchen with the glass or the mirror front refrigerator. <gasps> mirror front refrigerator. Brilliant. Amazing. Amazing. Um, Thank I, you. Can't decide how I would feel personally about it, but I also want <laughs> Looking it. at yourself in the mirror all the time? It is, it is an antique mirror, so you don't have to keep it completely spotless. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a bonus. Um, I'm, I'm all for in my next kitchen, or if my husband ever lets me remodel the kitchen, because that's not what we're remodeling right now. <laughs> I, love, I, I love kitchens that don't look like kitchens. Or like, it's okay if they look like a kitchen, like obviously like the range or whatever. But I love everything hidden. Like I like the... Refrigerator go away, oven or not an oven, but the dishwasher trash. Mm-hmm. I want as much in as I want as much integrated as possible. Um, well, this mirror on this fridge is it to me. It just feels like a window. It's like I'm looking yeah. out a window, and then I'm like, oh, that's the refrigerator with mirror on it. It's I thought it was brilliant. Thank you. I do love uh, that kitchen a lot. It's really pretty. And this is another one where you mixed a natural wood with the deep teal cabinetry. What's mm-hmm. more funny about that kitchen is that deep teal cabinetry was already there. We changed the color slightly, uh-huh. but they had a flood. And so um, they had to remodel. And so what was initially there were two like um, diagonal islands. And I was like, this is a mm-hmm. huge waste of space. Let's do a giant island in the middle and let's do a natural wood because there's a lot of rustic wood elements in the house to begin with. Um, and there was going to be a stone floor. And so we expanded the teal cabinetry and we did, um, change the color slightly, just darkened it a little bit, but there was already that color there that they weren't going to be replacing. So we kind of built off of that. It's gorgeous. And you do mm-hmm. those garage door style, like, uh, for the appliances and whatnot. Yes. I love those too. They just yeah. hide everything away. Yeah. Hiding everything. That's, that's, you know, I talked, <laughs> let's hide it all, hide our trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize that that was a fridge. Uh-uh. Oh, good. I, right. It, I'm, I'm like trying to scour through your portfolio right now. Cause I'm like, oh, where was the mirror fridge? fridge? I didn't even see that. <laughs> Did you that find how it? camouflage it was? Yes. Okay. You found it. <laughs> good. Of course. Yeah, I'm like, I can see everything. I can tell this and that, you know, but that's good. There was one other thing that really kind of blew my mind in your portfolio before we get to our dilemma. Sorry that we're now we're no, like digressing, okay. but you did, I think it was probably in a little powder room where you took tile. Again, it was a deep teal. Same it's sort house. of a same house. Ooh. And it's sort of a cross shape almost. Mm-hmm. Swiss cross, yeah. Swiss cross shape. And it went up one of the walls and then up th- across maybe three fourths of the ceiling and then mm-hmm. sort of stopped and made a shape with the edge of mm-hmm. the tile. And then you hung mm-hmm. the pendant off of that. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Why? Phenomenal. Yeah, like it, <laughs> it was so good. I would do whatever thing. Let me pop the tile in a pattern and make a thing. And oh my gosh, it's I good. just hate the way tile ends. And I, everybody in my office laughs at me because I am anti schluter. I say no schluter ever. Like no wire hangers. And um, what is so schluter? Like, it's like the metal trim that goes around the edge of tile that you'll see yeah. it. Yes. Me, it's the lazy man's trim. That's what you do when you don't want to try hard to finish it. Um, and it looks <laughs> cheap or it looks like a hospital all the time. I know people are going to be like, no, there's a way to do it. It looks good. I don't like it. So um, 
So I, I like to play with like the way tile finishes out. And for that one, I was like, that room was so small. I was like, let's take the tile up the ceiling. Let's just get crazy with it. It also ran, it ran the floor up the vanity to the ceiling. So That's that one was, it was, I, I, I was, that was a great that. detail. Oh. <laughs> and one of those things that doesn't cost you any more. You know what I mean? It's just this phenomenal finish, finishing touch that you thought of that makes it special, but it didn't add, you know, $2,000 to the job. It was just ingenuity. Right. I mean, it added a little maybe in material and labor, but nothing like, you know, we're not talking, like you said, thousands of dollars difference. Mm-hmm. By any means. Way to go. So neat. <laughs> you blew our minds. We like well, when that happens. Now you can blow our dilemma writer's mind. Lindsay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Taryn's going to read it for us. Yes, and then Karen will describe the room. <laughs> My favorite thing to do. It is your favorite thing. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> okay, so this one is from Lindsay. And she writes, hi, ladies. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. My one and a half year old son and I listen to it all the time, especially while gardening in the backyard. You don't feel bad for this kid. <laughs> He's very advanced. <laughs> He's like, Thomas, the tank engine. She's like, no, how to decorate. Her son doesn't know yeah. yet, probably. <laughs> yes. And he's gardening. So yeah. he's really advanced, guys. Um, she says, I have a design dilemma I'd love your help with. My small family which is her and her one and a half year old <laughs> husband just moved into our first and hopefully forever home in a small historic town outside of Princeton, New Jersey. The home was built in 1973, but looks and feels much older than that because the builder and the original owner had the foresight to utilize a lot of beautiful historic architectural details. Our family room, which is attached, has a lot of wonderful things going for it. White fridge doors, dark wooden beams, a wood-burning fireplace, and a view of a tree-filled backyard. But we do not like the very 1973-feeling asymmetrical bricks surrounding the fireplace and don't know how to fix it. Ultimately, we want this room to be where we spend the vast majority of our time. This is where we will watch TV, lounge on a couch and comfy chairs, kick our feet up on a coffee table or a leather ottoman, (laughs) enjoy a glass of wine in front of a crackling fire and play with our son and all of his many toys. Our style is very East Coast traditional. We love Bunny Williams and John Roselli's Connecticut home, um, for example. What do you recommend we do with the fireplace and how do we decorate around it? Should we paint all the brick white, lower the mantle, and extend the white cupboards to the left so that the amount of bricks surrounding the fireplace is, oh my gosh, equal distance on both sides? <laughs> Should we, I know, I'm a child. Should we remove the brick and cover it with sheetrock or in its place install an antique wooden limestone or marble fireplace from the 1800s? And then once we figure out the fireplace, (laughs) how do we decorate around it to achieve our desired effect? There's a red and blue Persian rug that belongs to my family that I'd love to use in the design, but that's all we have. Many thanks for all your help. Your podcast truly brings me such joy. Cheers, Lindsay. So that was really nice. That is nice. And this is, I love that Lindsay really gave us very specific details about what their style is, you know, what Mm -hmm. they really enjoy. Um, But this room, okay, so it's a really nicely sized room. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's probably 15 by 30, I would guess, something like that. I don't know. Um, A long (laughs) rectangle. (laughs) You just made that up. (laughs) I like to describe it, but I don't know what I'm talking about, okay? That's part of the joy. So, um, long room. And um, on one of the long walls, that's the wall that looks out to beautiful trees. And it has, it looks like two sets of French doors that, that look out onto the beautiful yard. Um, I, I, um, I'm really excited about this actually, because I don't normally get to design houses that have a lot of architectural detail like this, because there's so many builder grade homes that exist in Austin. We don't have a lot of older architecture. So I actually don't mind the asymmetry of it, but if she really wanted to break up that piece of it specifically, one thing she could do, I don't know what's happening behind the wall of brick there, but to the right of the fireplace, she could do a cutout for, um, for wood to mm-hmm. stack up that kind of map mirrors right next to the fireplace itself. I think that her biggest visual issue is probably going to be with the mantle, really. Because that mantle is a beast. Mm-hmm. She has to run the um, whole wall. And I think, mm-hmm. 
It runs a whole, and it even mm-hmm. wraps around, it looks like. Um, so I think take down that mantle. And actually what I think would be really fun is if you plastered Ooh. the whole wall in like a concrete gray or something like that. Um, it would make it look really chic. It has some new sconces there. I don't even really have an issue with the cabinet to the right of it. But if you wanted to take that out, cool. But I have a feeling you're going to want to stuff all mm-hmm. your kids' toys there. Um and, you know, in terms of designing around it, I almost feel like that fireplace really calls for two chairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, collecting it to cozy up. Um, but I think that that mantle, once it's gone, that mantle, once it's gone, it's going to be way less of a beast. And I really think that that's what's drawing her eye. But she's thinking it's the asymmetry of the brick. I don't have an issue with the asymmetry of the brick. But I do think simplifying it, kind of going back to that whole minimal conversation, with a plaster would be really, So does she have to take the brick down or can you put it over the brick? She doesn't. You you could put it over the brick. Um, And, you know, I think you could even take it to the ceiling if you wanted to. I don't necessarily think you have to. You could keep it in that same sort of footprint and just do a smaller mantle, um, like a less thick mantle. Um, But if you did take it to the ceiling, that'd be really beautiful too. I just don't think that's a necessity. I think it gives it a little bit more interest with it. Um, halfway across the only issue with it kind of the way it runs down and again I think probably the reason she's having kind of a trickiness with it is the way that mantle is running it really cuts the room in half and it makes the ceiling look mm-hmm. low um, so I think some paint in the room and a smaller mantle will do it wonders yeah. okay I am going to be contrarian and say that I actually don't mind the mantle at all or well the fireplace overall um, I don't either. And but for for her aesthetic, do you think it works? Like if you were thinking, okay, Bunny Williams house. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, and, you know, maybe, and to your point, this may not necessarily be in her style wheelhouse, but our, um, our mantle is actually, it's not really like this, but it is asymmetrical. Like the whole wall is brick, but the actual um, firebox, like the hearth, is um not centered and neither is the mantle and so there's like the firebox with the mantle on top and then there's a whole brick wall that's next to it that is totally blank and i do think that um we painted it all painted it all black and i do think that painting um the brick and even painting the mantle too just a dark color it doesn't have to be black but just a dark color to where there's not as much contrast between the hearth like the the back part where the fire is and the rest of the fireplace it won't you will almost kind of camouflage mm-hmm. the asymmetry a little bit with paint now mm-hmm. to your point yeah. karen that may not really vibe with her traditional aesthetics that she's going for and i do think the plaster sounds like an amazing idea so it'd be gorgeous but if she wanted to give the paint a whirl it'd be a very inexpensive thing to try on a weekend paint that whole wall take a look you know because mm-hmm. yeah. it's true because you're right with the contrast it's yeah. like chopping it mm-hmm. up yeah you know and then i also just think like and this is not necessarily something super easy to learn but it's to me it just looks like a styling challenge it's going to be really hard to style that um, that mantle, but I do think that if she gets the styling down, it'll do a ton to remedy the situation. But not having anything up there really kind of just it. All you see is these black sconces on the wall, and that just really um, kind of highlights the asymmetry. But I think if she were to take the the um, you know, swap out the the sconces like mm-hmm. um, Sarah said, and then add some more elements. You know, um, some sculpture and some art, and you know, don't think so traditionally about like oh, symmetrical fireplace with right. symmetrical sconces and the perfect thing mm-hmm. on top. Yeah, like go. I'm sure there's some great things on Pinterest and some designers you can follow who would do something a little bit more um, unusual. But again, maybe that's not really the vibe you're going for. But maybe something easy to try first before you 
Yeah. And I will say, I mean, if you're really going to get into it with the fire, like if you decide like, okay, paint's not going to work or you want to do a little bit more of investment, I really think I go back to the plaster idea and this is not going to be a popular opinion by any means, especially with a young family, but just losing the mantle entirely um, and plastering it all could be really cool I love too. that. Um, I know people really hang up on a mantle just for Christmas stockings, but Christmas stockings, the only reason. Really? It's the only reason. That's Maybe the right. 3M command hooks is all you need. <laughs> Maybe she you don't need a mantle for Christmas fireplace. stockings. And you can hang you can hang Christmas stockings off of bookcases with really cute um, stocking holders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's not that traditional. So if that's true. what you're going for, I mean, yeah, yeah. true. We also have a great towel rack we sell. You can just line those. Suckers we have up. stocking holders that sit on the ground. Uh, you don't even need that. Just 3M hooks. I used to hang all of our what? Caroline. I'm trying to make some sales here, okay? <laughs> we got to pay the bills, Caroline. Okay. Caroline's going to yeah, Target and paying for three hooks, bills. but yeah. then buy your stockings and your garland from us. Wait a minute. Can you see this said hook? Sounds disgusting, Caroline. No, you hide it behind the garland. <laughs> oh. Mm. You just make it to where the garland, the garland looks stockings. like it's floating. But it's being oh. held up by 3M hooks. Mm. Okay. All right. I I love yeah. the plaster idea. I do. It's Oof. kind of as old school and retro. And I think it will give a yumminess to that warm room where she wants yeah. to drink wine. And I think just you got to layer up that room to make it mm. a Bunny Williams. Just all the layers. Yeah. And the great mm. thing about Bunny's house is it doesn't have tall ceilings. And the rooms are small. And they feel super cozy like what it is you're trying to build here. And if you love that, look at some of the floor plans of the rooms in her house. Because her rooms, she talks about it a lot in her books, are famously like asymmetrical and off-center. And they don't make sense as to where you put the furniture. And so um, she talks about how she figured out, all right, this is going to have to sit here and this will have to sit here and the TV will go here because this room is all wonky, you know, and it has three doors coming into mm -hmm. it. So um, it, there are good lessons in her books um, about how uh, An Affair with a House talks all about how she just had to pick that house apart and figure out how to make it work. So that, that'd probably be a good read for you if you have Yeah. Read. And just based on the size that we can see, she's going to have to have at least two if not three different kind of zones you know um because it's just it's it's kind of long and that's hard mm -hmm. to wrap all into one spot so yeah she could have like a place for playing games or something with mm -hmm. the kid or um reading and then cozy by the fire and then something else at the other yeah. end but i, I like dig the architecture of this room i'm i, I think too. it's great so I'm excited for her. And I can't wait to see if we get some after photos. I would love to see. Yeah, send yes. us some afters, Lindsay. Yes, please. And I, I'm again, I apologize to your poor son. Who <laughs> <laughs> does she tell us his name so we can say hey? Yeah. We, we need to, we need to do a shout out. She doesn't. We need to give him a shout out. What is his no, name? She no, she just says <laughs> my one and a half year old son. All right, Lindsay, son. In Princeton, New Jersey. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Happy gardening. <Yes>. Your <laughs> green thumb. That's right. So okay, Sarah, cute. can you tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and see your work? Yes. So you can find us. Our website is banddesign.com. Again, that's with three Ds in the middle. So B-A-N-D-D design.com. Um, or you can follow us on any social media. It's join the band with that extra D at the end um, on all platforms, even my um, assistant made us do TikToks. So we even have oh, a TikTok yay. account. I love TikTok. Like so, <laughs> just about anywhere under Join the Band. <laughs> Wonderful. So nice yes. to meet you, Sarah. Thank you yes, so much. Thank you. Thank you guys. So fun. I appreciate it. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.